Welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker podcast. I've got a good friend with me today, uh, Ollie Lum from AAA Mortgages. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Ross. Uh, I've been pretty, ex- I won't say excited. I've been um, curious how this chat was going to go because you've been uh, a big part of my broking life the last or since we since we connected a while ago so yeah pretty keen to hear where this goes thanks for having yeah, me yeah and uh, i was keen to get you on board because you know not only you're a sort of top 100 broker you're a good guy and you look at things differently right in the world of mortgage brokers i find that really refreshing and i think your outlook on stuff a lot of brokers can learn from so yeah, really keen to unpack it and just, as you say, see where this conversation goes. Sure, mate. My, my wife would um, probably agree with you with that and it does her head in because when we try to communicate on things, um, I think we've realised over the years that you know everybody communicates differently, but she keeps saying that I communicate differently to other people. So, yeah, you've got, um, yeah, th- there's pluses and minuses, I guess, of thinking of, of being, a, you know, trying to do things differently, but uh, all in all, it's pretty good fun. Yeah, good, good. All right, so tell me, you know, how, I'll start this with everyone. Tell me how you got started in the broking industry. Uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty straightforward, this one for me. Um, actually, uh, a couple of things. I'll, I'll actually side, side branch that to say, I wouldn't have been, my, my ears wouldn't have been open to a change if I hadn't done a bit of uh, self-work, mm-hmm. right? So I was uh, in the motor trade, just comfortable, you know, and I read Elon Musk's book and I realized that, you know, that trade is, I won't say dead, that's a bit strong, just not where I wanted my future to be on both personal level and a professional level. And um, I I'd, uh, I'd got a, a text from a good uh, one of my best friend's uh, wife who was like, you know, do you want to, um, I've got an opportunity here, do you want to? see what can come of that and I was doing my cert for but the, the key here was that if I hadn't done a bit of self-work with uh, with, a, with a therapist over some um, health anxiety to be honest I wouldn't have probably realized or really taken that opportunity because I, I remember actually I, I said it to uh, and she's my GM at the moment now Melissa I said to her oh this would be perfect for me in 18 months time you know and then when I read it because of some of the work I've done I was like why the hell is it perfect for me in 18 months time it's actually not it's perfect for me now Mm. Uh, and so, yeah, then I, I got my start and um, lucky to have a really good, good, um, good people above me to teach me the stuff as I go through. So, yeah, that, that's how I got the start. It was a text message that I actually wanted to frame, but I can't find the damn message and send it to my now GM because it was a text message that uh, changed my life for the better. Yeah, amazing. And, um, you know, that lifestyle is something that's important and it's interesting to hear that it came you know, from a chat with your therapist that led you down the path of, you know, I need to do something different with my life. So what was it that attracted you to mortgage broking that you thought would be different to working in the motor trade? Uh, I think I'd had about six, seven mortgages before. No, that's an exaggeration. I had like three or four just with some not great property purchases that I did, but I won't go there. And I thought it was kind of fun, you know, there's an element of puzzle solving, there's a, a large element of, of people and interaction. And uh, to be honest, it's lived up to way more than what I thought. I mean, it's exciting, right? Mm. Uh, I, I think I'm, I'm a sales guy and I like being a sales guy. And what better product can you have than to sell than, you know, one that changes every 
couple of hours it almost feels like at the moment you know and on the plus side something I probably didn't realize uh, when I started that I would enjoy so much is just the connections and relationships and fun that you can have with the actual people so that, that that's been the real the real fun for me clients of course but more so for me personally it's been the actual industry as a whole you get some really good people in finance so I really enjoyed yeah that part Oh, exactly. And yeah, that was a big motivation for me in terms of, you know, staying in the broking industry after leaving, you know, running a business for for, for many years since sort of 2003 and in it to, till about 2019. You've but, still got your hooks in there, mate. You've found yeah. your own, you've managed to create your own hooks there. So well done. Yeah, exactly. So, and you know, a big part of that motivation, as you said, is that, you know, people... Um, you know, the people within the within the industry are great. There's a lot of good people yeah, and a lot of people that, you know, if you put your hand up, are prepared to to help. So um, you know, I see you're quite active on LinkedIn and yeah, you you present in a different way. Your marketing is in a different way. And I find that approach really refreshing. So um, yeah, talk to me a little bit about all right. So you got started. And again, some of, for the people that are getting on that journey, how did you find coming from a totally different industry into the broking industry? I might actually hook on to other, something else that you said and maybe circle that back to that, right? So you, you're right. I, I don't really do very much marketing. My GM does the marketing, but I enjoy doing the LinkedIn stuff, right? And I'm going to use that as a, as a tag on because the only reason why I enjoyed, why I started doing the LinkedIn stuff is I called one of my buddies who's got an Ocean Impact accelerator called Ocean Impact um, Org. He started off mainly just in Watso. And I think it was around COVID and we were just chatting. I do this quite a lot. I'll just call one of my mates at some stage, industry or non-industry, and we just start chatting about stuff. And I think he he'd, I think he wasn't a client, but I did something for him. But anyway, he just off his own bat had a look at my LinkedIn. And I think that's right. He was going through funding and he's a founder and he was just, you know, he, he was on a mad LinkedIn kind of networking part. And that's actually kind of, he built up his first two years with a marketing budget of zero. It was all mm. on LinkedIn and Bank Australia was his first major um, fund. I think they put up 50 grand in their first 2020 mm. Ocean Pitch Fest. But that that's... um. That all just came from calling a mate and the mate said, mate, your LinkedIn's pretty ordinary, right? Honestly, it's just like, mate, it's awful. I was like, well, what do you mean? What do I do? And he goes, mate, just do this, have a have a go. And I was like, okay, well, I did that just, just for fun. And that's kind of turned into a source of joy for me really now. Like it's my only social outlet, but it's been really, really fun to do. But that, that kind of, um, your kind of question was, what can people do to start out? Call, call call every single person that you know that you think switched on and ask them stuff. Talk to them about stuff. Find find people. Challenge your ideas. You're gonna find your market segment at some stage. And maybe even still mine. Mine's I, I love tech and emerging, but you know that that that's not the bulk of my deals at the moment. It was for a little period, but your 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 market will find you. And I think as things change more and more and more, we get to like, you know, the hybrid broker model and other, you know, new tech comes out and the, you know, demographics change and, you know, the the, the borrow the, you know, the the premium borrower kind of changes as time goes on, you're going to need to adapt. So uh, having said that, I said with a grain of salt, when I did something at SFGPD day a while ago, I, I think, can't remember what I was talking about, but at the end of it, I finished it in your first two years. Forget about all the the, the cherry stuff that we're talking about now because you just got to make it work. 
Mm. You know I mean? you, you, you're going to need a bit of chutzpah. You need to hit the pavement. You need to knock on some doors, digitally or otherwise, and um, and just be, make yourself be really uncomfortable. So that would be my advice. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah, be comfortable. Put yourself out there. Uh, and what did you call it? A bit of chutzpah. A bit of chutzpah. What's that? It's like the Jewish thing when you've got a bit of pizzazz or, you know, you've just got, you know, that extra little bit to to, to get you out of the chair and do something like what we're doing now, Ross. I think actually when I first found you, you'd, you'd somehow spammed me on some kind of you know video thing. And I was like, what the hell is this? But I watched about 40 seconds and you drew a triangle with your great little cartoony triangles. And I was like, oh, that actually resonates with me. But you had a bit of chutzpah, you know, you could have just not, you know, tried to fight as many people as you did. And then look at you now. Right. Oh, exactly right. And, you know, it's interesting we were talking about LinkedIn, right? So I just Google searched you. What's the first thing that comes up in, in a Google search is your LinkedIn profile. And it's the same for a lot of brokers, but they don't put the work into actually tailoring it. So it's some good advice that your, your friend gave you. And I know for me, uh, you know, launching a business in COVID, uh, I looked at the options and I thought I'd present at PD days and do a few different things. But in the end of the day, I went down that channel and doubled down on, on LinkedIn. And um, yeah, it, it's progressing beyond that as well too, mate. I did a, I think I can't remember what it was, but I did a deal because I posted something um, and it was a private, it was a private deal. It wasn't, it was a non-conforming loan, but I posted something and uh, Matty Close from IA, which got bought by Resimac is now Resimac Asset. Uh, he pinged me. It was like, after I posted something, he was like, Hey mate, how are you going? I was like, yeah, mate, good. It'd be great if you guys were doing over 1.5 mil loans at the moment. He goes, Oh mate, I've, I've got a bit of capacity. I'll have a look at that. And then we, we did the deal. Do you know what I mean? So like there's there's all these offshoots that come from it. It's been um I mean there's another, I think I I posted something a while ago on um I think it was on just general process right. This is something that you do as well. You share something for people to learn from with no with no intention of anything more. Do you know what I mean? Hey, I'm going to share this. This is useful. And I'm, we're going to have a little video I'll put on LinkedIn later, which I want you to talk about the flow of things. But there's no no hidden message behind that. Just trying to share. But then. Sometimes people see what you're doing and, and you'll see what they're doing. And that's how I actually found Cadam, which is now my doc collection tool, which I use. And Farzan, the creator of that, me and him talk about three or four times a week. I've pretty much made a new friend and he's tailoring that product as we go through. And also we've got another one to talk about a bit later, which is something I introduced you to, which is Fireflies. Mm. Uh, and you've introduced me to Loom. So it's, yeah, it's, there's just so much you can go down a hole and look, that doesn't have to be LinkedIn by any way. That could be anything. Like, I think my point is when you asked me to come on here, all I, and my brain does this, I just heard tech. All right? I think you said, let's do a podcast about tech. So my brain was like, yeah, cool. That sounds good. We're going to talk about other stuff, which is cool. But um, that was just something which I really kind of hang on to is that tech can, tech can do so much, but if you don't know the people behind the, the products that they make, you don't really understand that particular product, be it, you know, the aggregator platform, Mercury or, or sales tracker or infinity. If you don't understand the people that made them and their, their, their story or their, their source of truth, then you, you protect, just potentially don't know what that tech's supposed to be doing for you. It's just another tool to maybe not get used. Oh, exactly right. And, you know, in, as you said, story sell, right? Story sell. And uh, another takeaway that I've, you know, taken from you is, you know, again, you put yourself out there and you network and it's not necessarily going to get you business, but it's going to make you doing business easier. So like the example yeah. you 
got where you say, oh, it'd be great if you guys did over 1.5 mil loans. And, you know, they turn around, they say, actually, we've got capacity. And one of the things about being a, a top mortgage broker as you are is around creating those networks to do business. So whether it's the relationship, and I know in my broken career, um, when you become a, a top broker, you have access to more higher level people. And the amount of deals that I got done because I knew the state manager, or I was introduced to the senior credit people. And, um, you know, you could then stand behind. Obviously, it had to have the... Yeah, it's got to have the legs, of course. But the legs yeah. to say, look, you know, I used to say, if it looks like a deal, if it smells like a deal, then mm. it's a deal. I've just mm. got to find a way of getting it to happen. And how you get it to happen, these grey ones, is through your network. And so I think that's a great point that you make there around, you know, yes, you put yourself out there, but you're going to meet people and these people are, are going to see that sort of shush bar in you and, uh, and, and create opportunities for you. Yeah, I think I've got something, I've got a comment on that, which is, uh, I won't name the names of the lenders, but um, something's really become apparent to me in the last kind of little period is that, um, so a couple of um, head of third parties have, you know, I've, I've said something or they say something and they've said, hey, let's talk about this, right? In other words, the head of third parties, uh, two in particular, are saying, what can we do better? Do you know what I mean? Like we, we know that we're, we've got competition, um, but they're, they're really kind of saying, we know that we don't do everything perfect, but I'd love to hear, you know, direct one-on-one -on -one what, what potentially that we can get done better. It doesn't mean they're going to change policies. In fact, there was actually one... I posted something a while ago. There was a lender who weren't, they weren't sure if they were going to use the assessment rate at the time of formal approval or when it was conditionally approved. They were still sitting on the fence for whatever reason. And um, you know, just put a little case forward as you know, it's it's a it's a better consumer outcome if you're using the assessment rate that was assessed at conditional. You know, just I mean, that's just pretty clear to me. Why issue a conditional approval at 500 grand if it's going to be 400 grand at formal? That's you putting the client at risk. Um, there's more compliance bits in there, of course, I understand. But if if the broking network as a whole can have a soft influence on the lender policy or how they approach things for better consumer outcomes. That's really fun, but it, it is, it, it, you know, I'm, I'm really excited at how engaged a lot of the lenders are at the moment. I mean, we've got, you know, let's have a look at the state of play, right? We've got low, we've got quick SLAs, you know, we've got cashbacks for people staying in the same lender literally cash back to stay and then they can still refinance after you've got in my in my from what i'm seeing in a small little segment i'm seeing that lenders really desperately trying to clang, hang on to market share try and grow market share in a declining property market and that's you know it's, it's i don't envy their job do you know what i mean like it's hard um that was a bit of a tangent but it's the overall theme i'm seeing from a lot of lenders is they're really trying hard I mean, they're, they're trying hard within the best that they can, noted that, you know, they've got to make changes because the regulators come and threaten whatever it is, or, you know, not threaten, lightly suggest that their <laughs> discretion may be softened a little bit. So it's been really, it's been a really interesting time in lending. Yeah, definitely. And uh, as you mentioned, one of the things that's great about this industry is it's constantly changing and every person's circumstance we deal with is a little bit uh, different. Uh, so in terms of um, in terms of tech and you touched on tech, what, what are you seeing that have been some of the sort of the, the really cool pieces of tech that 
have made your business easier, right? Well, what are some of the ones that you've implemented within your business? Yeah, that's, that's how good... have they made your business easier? That's a good question. I, I thought of answering this one, and I assumed it would come up some way. I thought of answering it two ways. I could just list all the list all the things and explain what they do, which is you know useful, but it can be another medium for that. Um, or I can tell a story about some of the fun, cool people that I've met finding some of the new tech and how they've become really integrated into my business. Not not working with just 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 yeah, I've got a lot of fulfillment and joy for them. Or I thought about linking it to. Um, some other stuff so i don't know which one i'm going to choose so i'll just try and pluck one out of the bag i think i'll start with this one because this one yeah. is fresh right so i was listening to something this morning by paul conti he's a he's a trauma um, guy who wrote a book about trauma um and i'll also loop that in with something else i was listening to before for by ed Cook, who uh, is just this super charismatic British guy. It was a Tim Ferriss thing. I know you like Tim, and he was drinking yeah. some wine. Anyway, the Ed the Ed Cook part, what he said, he's got a business which is um uh, I can't remember what it's called. It's like mastering memory, right? So he's you know memory championships, and one of the parts was like, why do you want to you know why do you want to master memory if you can just look it up? You know why do you need to remember stuff if you can look it up? Easy, uh, and but his his was true the difference between true learning and understanding okay so here's the example i can probably google every single bird in australia or america in a bird or walk around with a bird book right so i could see that what it is listed this is for you paul kudos i know you love your birds anyway um but if i've just if i'm just able to look something up i won't be able to understand that it's weird that an american eagle is flying around as rock do you know what I mean? Or whereas Rockies, if I don't understand what that bird is quickly and be able to put it in context and understand it, then really looking it up on a list and it's something telling me what it is, isn't of no value to me, right? So tech has a similar play in there. And the other one was Paul Conti, which was this morning. And he was kind of saying the question to Paul Conti was, you know, which modality is best to deal with trauma? You know, CBT, psychedelics, in, you know, internal family systems, psychotherapy. And so he answered it with, first you need to start is a search for truth and what is the narrative of your truth, okay? So I'm going to use one more long-winded way before I answer the tech parts. I was having, I love this story and I, I'm not allowed to, I, I don't think you'll do it with me, but I was having a, a neighbour of mine is very high in the Swedish um, Swedish contingent in Australia. And I asked him a couple of things about why they do they, they, they've got um, vertical integration better, right? So in other words, they don't just mine, you know, they, don't just make, they don't just grow the wheat, they grow the wheat, they make the flour, they bake the bread, they sell the bread, all within the one house instead of mining a material, shipping it overseas and then bring it back. And I said, well, mate, why, is, why can they do it better? And he gave me a 40-minute answer before he even gave me the answer but the answer was that they're essentially socialists instead of capitalists as a as a nation as a people so it wouldn't make sense for them as a people to send all the raw materials away they wouldn't let just you know lower you know a certain amount of people dictate a whole thing so i know i'm off topic but that loops it back to tech you know what what are we trying to do with tech you know do we just want I uh, got this from you. Do we want to rule? And this is my, my, my best tool, which I use, is actually still Outlook rules, mm. right? The one I get the most value from is having bulk rules for everything from a lender back channel to go to me and specific team members, right? So I don't have to... Game changer, uh, you know, game changer. If you haven't set up 
outlook rules and i know it was a game changer for my business but um all i can say is do it and do it for as many things as you can and uh the way i used to do it was forward and file all right and just have one inbox to file filing but keep going ollie yeah i mean that that's the most so for example everything from apply online or nab or macquarie or whatever and nab pose a challenge because nabs come from the assessor on behalf of blah 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 so i had to create a rule that just had a certain thing in the email signature go to blah 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 but honestly that that is the best as far as the tech thing goes that's had the biggest dollar for, you know well, there's dollar zero but the biggest impact on my time to to do every to, to you know step away from that but i'll list the other ones now and then we can circle back but um Fireflies is one which me and you just uh, started to talk yeah. about. Um, message automation by HubSpot. Um, quickly, Cadam, Sherlock. Um, and yeah, they're, they're probably the main which we're just kind of bolting on. But I will tell you, because we're here, I'll t I will tell you my grand circle of how my tech will work. And look, keep in mind, I'm a little guy. You know, I was when you had Otto on last week, I thought it was quite interesting. Um, just so your listeners know, we had Otto Dargan on. He had an amazing talk. It was, you know, he's built something which I think no one probably will be able to replicate, to be honest. I think it's a one of. But when he needs something new built for him, he doesn't just add it on. He'll go to his aggregator, which I think might be Mercury, I'm not sure. And they just build it for him because he's got scale. You know, he's a big boy. He's got scale to say, hey, I need this. Can you please build it? Us little guys, we don't have that scale. We can't go to infinity and say, hey, build it. You know, we can't go to podium and say, hey, build it. It just doesn't work. So we need to bolt things on. And will our aggregators let us bolt things on? Some will, some won't. They'll say, ah, ABC, I'm not sure. Why would I? And then all of a sudden we go, can go around in a circle. Or we might have, um, you know, anyway, I won't go off. That's a tangent. But the um, I'll, I'll flip back through to the, the general hole for me, which is actually having HubSpot as my main CRM. Post settlement, my aggregated platform sales track, which I do love, being the source of all truth pre settlement. Um, and the reason why HubSpot is because, you know, all my friends that I talk to, especially my tech guys, I'm like, guys, what are you using? Oh, we use HubSpot. Oh, cool. I should use HubSpot. Why? It's it's phenomenal. I won't go into that, but what it can do is, is just amazing from a contact with your client point of view. So I'll give you an example of um, some tech, right? So we don't have Fireflies on here now, but we probably should have. I actually might even be on here. So what Fireflies will do, it will transcribe my meeting with you, with Ross now, okay, after I've had it on Zoom without me doing anything. As long as the um, the URL is in my calendar for the meeting, it will jump on and record it. It will then send me an email transcription of our meeting two hours later. After that, it will then upload that into my contact, you as my contact in HubSpot without me doing a thing, right? That's pretty phenomenal. I'd still blow my mind that one. I, I just, yeah. yeah. So yeah that's, it is, yeah. it's amazing, right? You think of all the usages that could be for sales team, for training, for, you know, client conversations, for, you know, just so much value in a, in a tool, um, like that, right? So, yeah, there is, but here's the point. I mean, yeah, there is, but I'm still trying to get my head around like, am I a better broker or is the client getting a better outcome because of this? And I'll, I'll be honest, probably at the moment, I'm probably saying no for my deals that are right at my nose because mm -hmm. there's no benefit, but there will be some something that comes from it later. But you know, that this this loops back to the part of what, what are we trying to do here? What's your truth? I mean, and uh, I wrote another thing down here. For me, some of the tech, some of the truth is I freaking love it and it's fun. 
So that's fireflies for me at the moment, right? I want to use it. I've show, I'm in an accounting office today with some great guys. I've shown like five people. Half of them don't want to hear about it. They're busy. But I'm guys like, hey, guys, look what this can do. It looks so cool. You know, it is. It's so cool. So for me, an element of the tech, my story, part of the story of tech is that I'm just curious and I love it. And so, like some of these, in fact, I'll use that as a lead into how I ended up with HubSpot as my main thing. Actually, I was looking for an email solution. I thought, I'm just sick of getting jammed on email. So I found some AI called Email Tree, which is, uh, I think it's from Holland or somewhere. Anyway, they hadn't um, they hadn't actually done anything here. So they used uh, a telco over there, used it. And I reached out to them and we, I started trying to see what it could do. And I thought I was going to be their first Australian customer. And but they started talking a language. And look, I'm not actually not that good with tech. I just love it. But they started talking a language about trying to automate, you know, AI for emails, which I don't even like doing. But anyway, they started talking about that. And I thought, I need someone to translate this for me. And I'd seen this girl, Katie Shaw, on LinkedIn. She made a comment on someone's post about how to, you know, integrate a virtual assistant well. And she had, I read one thing. I was like, gee, she knows, she knows what she's doing. So I reached out to her. And so then I actually brought her on board to help me talk to the email tree guys to try and understand what their offering was and try and make that work. Now that didn't work. Email, I would just, there was just no, nothing for email tree to do for me and it was too expensive and it didn't work. But then when I started going through my Hub, HubSpot wormhole, I was like, okay, well, I need someone to build HubSpot now to actually um, talk to my to sales tracker backwards and forwards. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do that. So Katie Shaw's done that for me. And I'm definitely not the only broker using HubSpot. But um, yes, yeah, so it was a, it was a way to meet someone who's able to improve mm -hmm. my business. Um, yeah, and so I'll cover up the other ones too quickly. So Cadem is Cadem is phenomenal. It's just a really good document collection portal, which I don't use for everyone, but I find it's really good. Why it's so good is there's a modern request on it, which means you basically can send the client an email uh, and it lead with a Loom video. So I'll send Ross an email. It's actually just a video to start with like, hey, Ross, lovely to chat today. Here's a 90 second video on what this email, what this portal does, how it works, is what you can upload. Uh, and it's just a really smart document collection tool. Uh, that's made by a guy from Sydney. So, you know, how do you like, spell that? K-A-D-D-I-M. Yeah, Cadam. Okay. Yeah, it's nice to support local and New Zealand makes some good stuff as well. Um, quickly, I think a lot of people know about Quickly. Eric and Angus, hey guys, love your stuff. They're, they're uh, I mean, I, I, they're, they're an essential essential tool for me at the moment. Um, just just for cutting out the the, the poo poo to be honest. Quick, mm. simple data. They're always improving it. Quite, I mean, a lot of aggregators at the moment can't even. I mean, apply online. Let's not. I won't go too deep into that. But I mean, I can't remember the last time I've seen something service really neatly on apply online. It mm. just doesn't feel like they've kept speed. If you know what I mean. Like, uh, whereas quickly, they're they're beyond keeping speed. They're quick. Um, Sherlock, I won't um, go through that too much here because that's phenomenal. They've, they've kind of hit their next stripe. But see, I need a house to keep all these bolt-ons. I need a house to, to keep Sherlock, to keep quickly, to keep Cadam. And if HubSpot has open API for me, or aggregated software has open API, you know, open it up, guys, to talk to these bolt-ons. Um, for those of us that can't, you know, get everything built for us by our aggregators, it's going to, because there'll be other ones, right? I don't even know what they are, but there'll be other ones. Yeah, I've heard uh, AFG have just done a deal with Sherlock where they're sort of bolting on their, their back end. So yeah, they're, uh, yeah. they're getting they, up to speed. Yeah. They've, they've, they've had a few other firsts. I can't remember what the other one was. I actually I was talking to Bennett Cape. Um, 
So Cape's a new, uh, here's, here's an example of something, right? I don't even know what it is yet. I can't even explain it well. Um, but Cape, one of my bankers has moved over there and he's a banker, which I respect a lot. And if he's made a move from a, you know, a, a tier one bank to a non-banking role, I was like, Whoa, it made me pay attention. Mm. But um, he did something with Prosper. He, he, was, he was with Prosper and AFG did something. Anyway, they seem to be quite, quite pioneering with that. So hats off to you, AFG. But I will just talk about CAPE for a second as well. CAPE, uh, for me, CAPE's a, um, CAPE's a system where if you log, if you give them access to your zero, right? And they will, they will give you a credit limit, call it an expense card limit, up to a percentage of your zero revenue. So super quick, they, it can do way more than that. I'm not doing it justice, but that's basically, an ex, uh, call it expense nirvana. So that's a new style of financial product available. Um, so, and I'm actually going to use that for me and my wife to have a spending card linked to my business that I, that's limited, right? So I can only go so far. So anyway, I met them yesterday, the guy's on his skateboard in his you know, office in Manly up in what? So just cool people. So that's, mm. that's the fun stuff and broking answer to the question, how do you get started and broking do well, do you know what the rules are for, for where you, how you do your marketing, you get stuff and how you have fun, but there are. I can't say there's none. You can't just go knock on everyone's door, but you can do, you know, um, tradie finance, you know, the, the, the air host finance thing or whatever, you know, it's just, it's just so fun that you can do it with people that you find cool. Yeah. You can niche down. And that's something that I wanted to speak to you about because you're quite particular with the, the clients and you want to tell your niche and your checklist before you, take a deal on you've got how many criteria what's your criteria yeah um i don't want to share it all but anyway i will now we'll so i was um this is maybe two and a half years ago i was just doing my doing my dodo i was just working on too many little things so my um john mccallick my mentor always say always work on 20 things at least i found that i was working on 40 or 50 at the same time he always said don't get stuck on one deal because that's all you know never never give one deal all the attention because you're just obsess over it um but i found i was working on too many which weren't quite fulfilling me and they were killing me um so i I said well hang on i I went and i scored every every client which i'd had on a scale of one to six when i say scale i asked myself six questions on them and i've actually been a bit slack with this recently but it's a good point so the first one was were they referred yeah so first one were they referred yeah were they referred were they local okay local yeah Yeah. did they need their handheld okay was it an smsf or high lvr loan right you know, lots of paperwork or just higher risk metrics for me. And on that on that one too, that's important for me because I can only handle so much bandwidth. I stress about the client's loan, same as every other broker. So I can't have every single thing at 95% LVR, I'll break. I'll yeah. be, then my family won't work. Um, and then I think there was a minimum, you know, is it over 500 or whatever the, the amount was? And there was one, are they, are they in my top 100 club? So when I first started, I said, okay, what do good accountants do? They get a top 100 clients and I'll look after them extra specially. So they were the six questions. Anything with a three or under for a while, I just I just politely say no. And my mentor gave me a sheet how to say no, you know, not just like a blank, a respectful no, and also pass them on to someone who it was suitable for. Can, can you give us a script on the, the respectful no? Because a lot yeah, of I'll, I'll, I'll find that and I'll, I'll find that and I'll come back to you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did, um, I can't remember two years ago, I made an overruling rule right which was what my gut tells me and no matter how good or big or whatever it is if my um gut tells me no then it's a no yeah i love it so out of the six right so were they referred were they local do they need their handheld is it an sms 
high LBR. High yeah. LBR. Is it a loan size under 500,000? And do they have that potential to be in my top 100 club, right? Or so are they in the top 100 club? Because, of course, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're top 100 club, or your VIP clients said a little thing, whatever, of course you do it. Or, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, as I hear it, it sounds a bit rough, <laughs> but it did help me at the no, time. <laughs> no, I think it's good, right? And they need a score of at least three. Yeah. Uh, and again, you know, because I think you get to a point in, and obviously you're you're one of the top brokers in the, in the country, but you get to a point where, you know, you, you've got to say no, right? You, you've got to get to that point where, at some point, you've got to say no. And it's, you know, what will allow you to go to those next level is actually the things that you say no to. Absolutely. So I wrote something on my whiteboard a while ago, maybe six months ago, and it was stay free with the good ones. Okay. And I noticed this happens with me recently. So I recently had a dip in uh, revenue and I was I freaked out. I was like, oh my God, I can't, uh, what, how did this happen? I think I even spoke to you about it and how it happened was I just got loose with my expenses through the business. I wasn't paying attention. It was my own fault, no one else's fault. But what that caused me to do was to, to lose track of my story, my, you know, my core. And I started actually sniffing around for the, the ones which didn't quite fit my profile a bit and kind of pushing them. And, you know, I created a bit of a mess, no, not, not a huge mess for anyone that couldn't be cleaned up, but I was, I took on some stuff and I had to stop and realize, oh, hang on, what am I doing? This is not, this is not how I run my business. So I, I stopped from that, but the stay free for the good ones is important. You can't turn around a 3.5 mil deal in two days or day and a half where you need everything. If you're running six SMSFs that need to settle in a week, you know, you, you just, you just can't. So in fact, actually something which I noticed when we have, uh, when you, I love your, your, you know, your, so everyone knows your broken coach and your, how much thought you put into your offering is phenomenal, right? But one thing stuck with me because I remember we were saying, what can we do with those dollar productive activities? Or if we've done X, we have X amount to go and work on that referral or that new deal or whatever. That's the one part where I, I think the opposite. I'm like, hang on, I, I don't want to create that space for more deals. Um, I want the right amount to keep the business running, but I want to free up that space for other X and that might be visiting that company and deals can come from that or whatever, but it's really freeing up time for X. That, that X to me is the source of life and fun and joy and happiness and experiments and stuff. So, oh, I think I've just come up with a name for the, uh, the podcast, the X Factor, how to create the X Factor, right? <laughs> so, you know, in terms of rather than freeing up time for dollar productive activities, <laughs> we're freeing up time for the X Factor and, you know, as you mentioned, you know, X factor can be time with the people that you want to hang out with and create networking opportunities. Well, well this one, mate, this, with, yeah, yeah. This, this, week's, yeah. this week's is a bit of you, right? So um, I texted Ross the other day, I think when I was asked talking about a team member and he was walking from um, oh, in Karingai National Park or further north. Mm -hmm. I think you're up in the... Um, near, where were you? Yeah, I was up near Brooklyn. I That's right. Brooklyn to, yeah, back to... Hornsby way. Yeah. Amazing. And also so people that aren't, aren't with you know that, um, you know, when you're off for four days, you're off, right? I've taken some really massive things from you, mate. I really have. I work in your six weeks flow and so does my team. So every six weeks we have four days unplugged, not, not, not off unplugged. And that's just been a massive game changer for me. I've always got something to look forward to in that. Um, oh, I lost the point of my story. Oh no, this week's um, challenge, which I have a bit of space for, because, you know, I still have a bit of time. 
was living just off solar energy and the solar being a solar panel on the roof of my shitty old car that's out in the sun all the time charging a battery and then taking these little portable batteries around and just living off solar solar power just for fun you know if yeah that's 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 fun i think we've got to do more of this stuff you know we we, we work hard as big transactions we need to have fun I love it. And, you know, so many people get caught in the sort of groundhog day. And that's why uh, at the start I said, I find you so refreshing, right? Because you think differently, you like to have fun, you know, you you understand that, hey, I need that time to be able to enjoy myself, to be able to do those things that I like. And I, you know, I know, um, you know, that I can approach business like that, but there's that certain flow. And I know we're going to talk about this later that you can find by doing those things because, you know, that keeps you happy, that keeps you grounded. And you, as you said, if you know, if you go the other way and you say yes to too many things, then that stops that sort of flow that you're in. Yeah. And I'll probably, I'll probably just grab up on there as well. So, Part of the, you know, and this is a constant, it, it's, it's to be forever, forever evolving thing, whatever your broking world looks like. But I mean, what do some people say? Stand on the shoulders of giants. I can't remember where I hear that from. It's said a lot. But I mean, the the uh, Clem, my ING BDM, I was talking to him about something and I was having an issue. I think, I think it actually was where to send my excess leads, which I couldn't quite fit in that. I didn't just want to dump them. And he was like, mate, call Anthony Landall. He had a similar thing. He's done that. And I'm like, oh, call Anthony Landall. He's a Northern Beaches broker. Next Wednesday, we're having a burger and a beer. Mm-hmm. I've done that at least four times. And the amount of the amount of help and experience that our industry is happy to, to tell you on one-on-one, mm-hmm. now, these are busy guys. You know, they're not, you know, who else was there? I, can't, uh, I won't go through names, but um, busy people will take an hour, an hour and a half out of their day to, to help you if you're back to your early broker you know, do it in a good way don't just you know bang on the door and say hey i need you to tell me every single thing under the sun how to do a servicing calculator no but if you come to them with a specific thing that you're having an issue with and you're introduced by someone that's a mutual person you you get you can just fast forward five or six years you really can you can just skip so much and willingly people are willing to to, to show you what they've done wrong or that they think they could do better Mm, love it, love I've it. got the no thing here as well. So let me know when you want to put that up. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get back into that. I, I mean, I love the chat about the the sort of X factor. And I said, knowing you for for a couple of years now, I think that's something you really do well, and you, you have fun, and you like to have fun, and you um you know really look after your own time and guard that well. Yeah, thanks. Um, okay. So, so yeah. So we I'll go through the nose. So this- yeah, how to politely say no. Yeah, so this is, and Johnny McCallick is MFAA member number five. I'm just pumping up his tires. He's a great guy. He's he's my, um, he's where I landed underneath um, to, to learn not the ins and outs, but the, well, when I say not the, the, the fine detail, but how to do things as a whole and otherwise make friends, make friends with your BDMs, have a good time. So I'm going to use probably the ones which I kind of probably have used a few times. There's seven of them, right? And I'll email you the PDF. And this is a sheet from like 1980. You know, it's just stuff that just works. I know I'm going to disappoint you, but dot, 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 dot. That's a really, I found that has been a good way to lead it. I know I'm going to disappoint you, but, you know, I've just full of whatever it is. Um, another one is I can't do it justice. You know, express except, expressed as perhaps as I'm really overcommitted right now, and if I take this on, I can't do it justice. Who can argue with that? That's a good mm. one. 
Um, yes, but not now. I've never really used that one, but you know, sure, I can help you do that. Move your sofa, but can't do it this week. Actually, no, I have used that one once a time. Like mm-hmm. when I was in high volume, you know, can I have a look at the risk refinance for me? I need to do that. I'm like, yeah, look, I'd love to, but I actually can't fit it in for five weeks. You know, that deal is probably going to go away politely. And you've said that without having, you know, without, you know, telling someone that they're not a fit. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate, appreciate you asking me, but. So tilt your head to the side. I really appreciate you asking me with a smile, but I'm afraid uh, my time is already committed. These are so easy to read on a paper too, by the way, but when you're actually giving them to the person or via email, I I cringe. I'm like, oh God, I hit send and I'm like, oh, it just feels yucky. But the result is better for everybody. They're not frustrated that you're not giving it full attention um, and they get a solution from someone who's a better fit for them. You can go for your jog and, you know, take your kids out or whatever and it's a win. I'll email that to you, mate. You can put it in the show notes. Beautiful. And um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to have that because I think um, yeah, there's some really good good messages there on how to politely say no. And I think that sort of preposition when you make that initial phone call and say, hey, the, the role of the call today is we're going to have, you know, whatever it is, a, a 10-minute chat um, to see how I can help. If I can't, I'm going to be pretty upfront with you, but let's just ask a few questions and see what we can do. Right? That, so then, that, that's a good one. Yeah, that's right. Because then at the, that gives you the right at the end to say, look, remember at the start of the conversation, um, I said, you know, and then what was some of yours? Give me the first one on the list. I know I'm going to disappoint you, but. Yeah, I I know I'm going to disappoint you, but as I said in the start of the conversation, yeah, yeah right. and I feel it. You know, I don't think given my workload at the moment, I'm going to be able to do this deal justification. My specialty is in X, yeah. this one's here. So, and again, what's the what's the, yeah. the point? Some, who, yeah, yeah. 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 That's great, mate. I love how you work in a conversation. Sometimes half of my day, I know that sounds excessive, uh, it's an exaggeration, but sometimes a big chunk of my day is about either trying to find, because I'm a broker by heart, I still want to fix the problem, even though I can't, I still want to. So it's either finding a banker at direct channel. So let's just say, you know, you, you, it's, I know it's a fit for Westpac, but I just don't want to go through the Westpac thing that is at the moment. So I'm like, well, I'll try and find you a, a, a mobile lender who's in your area. I can do that on LinkedIn and then say, hey, instead of walking into the branch where you may get a questionable, you know, I don't know where you're going to, this person's okay, here's a mobile number. Boom. That that sometimes takes a lot of energy to to not just say, "Hey, can't do it." You give them somewhere else to to pull on. And quite often, if you've got another broker, especially a a broker, to be honest, you know, that that broker starting out. I thought about this the other day. When I first started, I was doing every deal under the sun. I really cut my teeth on everything, everything. I had a ball. I had an absolute ball. Just can't do it now. But um, there are brokers out there that will that that's you know that they're going to learn. They're going to then they're going to give that client 100% attention, and they'll get a great result. So the broking system really is good because it's it's not want to say it's designed. There's levels for every kind of consumer, every kind of broker, every kind of client. Like it doesn't have to be a one-stop shop. Oh, I love it. And um, you know, one of the things that I sort of a quote that I sort of came onto when I was sort of in the peak of my sort of broking, but it, it um, written guy by a guy by the name of Thomas Merton, right? Conjections of a guilty bystander, right? And it was talks about a quote that talks about modern day violence, right? Mm-hmm. And um, he's saying, look, 
um, the idealist most easily succumbs to activism and overwork. The Russian pre pressure of modern life are a form, perhaps the most common form of violence. To allow oneself to be carried away by a multitude of conflicting concerns, to surrender to too many demands, to commit oneself to too many projects, to want to help everyone in everything is to succumb to violence, right? So it goes on to say how, look, this destroys um, the enjoyment that we get from work and it it's, you know, affects our peace, right? So I think it's such a powerful lesson for people around that ability to say no and to, to really to stop the violence, right? Absolutely. You, I'm just as no one can see this, but I'm scrolling through my phone and there's some lovely pictures of you with your kids and everything on my phone. Love that. Personal service. Love it, Ross. But um, that was by Thomas Merton, and you've texted me to that before. Yes. And just so your so your audience knows, me and you were going to do a, a, a little video after this for me to put on my LinkedIn. But I've, in my brain, I've just I'm going to scrap that. I'm going to politely ask if I can snippet this because I think this is a good, you know. I'll just put this on and then, two, you know, two birds, one stone. But yeah. what I wanted to say, and um, this means a lot to me, um, mm. last, I've got a story, last August or whatever, I think, yeah, it would have been this time last year. I think the ABAs when they were in near, um, the entertainment center or whatever, I think that was it. Anyway, I was just really battling. Last year, I think everyone tipped that acknowledged that last year was just absolutely brutal. I don't give a damn what everybody settled. Well, of course I do. That's not quite true. But the, the, for me, the take-home wasn't the number of settlements. It was how do we just survive to the end of the year with just what that was. That was absolutely ridiculous on so many levels. Just blah. Anyway, I was outside. I had some bad news on something or whatever. I was out, standing outside the ABAs and everyone was inside having champagne, blah, blah, blah. Everyone looked quite good. And I was the only person outside, but you came outside, right? I don't know how. You just saw me and you came outside and you, you either read that to me or it was a bit blurry because I was I was in flight flight. I was just not there. No. But you gave me your little flow conversation. This is the part I'll probably put in my LinkedIn. So I might actually put you on the spot now, Ross, and... Mm -hmm. Can you explain to the, the the broker who's having a tough time right now for whatever reason or looking to just streamline things a little bit about your perspective on flow and blockages? And, um, yeah, I think that would be useful. Sorry to turn the tables. You can. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I think the conversation was, you know, I don't know if I can do it. You know, you're sort of at that point. And, you know, to me, it's a balance, right? And I know I traveled India and uh, I went to uh, Bodh Gaya, which is, um, you know, where the Buddha found enlightenment. But one of the things he tried to do was starve himself. So he was like That's emancipated, right? right? Yeah, part, and yeah. um, he, he got to, and he was in a cave where he didn't eat and he meditated and he thought that was the, the way to enlightenment, right? But it goes on and he, he went to um, you know, one of the places um, that I went to, the monuments, and he found a different way, which was the middle way, right? Which talks about, okay, he, he needed to eat and he, he needed to have that to find the middle way. And mm. if we are in business, um, one of the things, the conversation, I think I even drew it out on a bit of a graph. Yeah, you did it. Look, it yeah. So this is no, it looked like a, it looked like a pipe. So it was a pipe drawn mm. with something above it and below it. And then also something could kind of cut the pipe in half and you explain something at the top, something at the bottom and blockages just because we can't draw it out now. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, and, you know, I think it's around 
you've got to get to be in that flow state. It's the physical stuff, right? So, you know, you've got to get the right amount of sleep. You've got to get the right exercise. You've got to have the right diet, right? You've got to, you know, do whether it's your stretching or yoga or um, exercise. It's around your breathing. I know you're big on on breathing, right? Sex then, helps too. Yeah, and exactly. Um, and then it's around on the other side of that pipe, it's around the mental stuff, right? So how much are you overworking? How much stress is in your life? How much are you doing practices like, you know, your your meditation or your gratitude or um, you're bringing the process into your business, into your life, right? Mm. And so to get that flow, you've got to have the balance, right? And so if you've got that balance in your life, it creates flow. Where you get out of balance, where, you know, one, maybe you're not looking after the physical mm. or, you know, you're stretching yourself on the other side and not there's too much, you're sort of too much in your head, uh, and you're not having the 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 ability to be able to release that and to come back to the the place of as you mentioned earlier that place of truth. You're gonna the flow is gonna get stopped and yeah. um, you know you're gonna get to that point where you're probably feeling a bit like you're feeling um, where you're getting to that point where you burn out and you go oh, I don't know if I can do it right. So it's around how can you keep your life in that flow. Love it, really, really good. And I say love it because it's what you normally say, but it's it's rubbed off of me. That stuff. Yeah. When I say love it now, I'm like, oh, Ross, I copy, yeah. copy what it says. Um, but I, 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 mate, so what's your take here, right? So I've noticed that the the coaching world, right, in broking has become a little bit bigger, right? Maybe it's just because I'm a bit more aware of it. But what do you, what do you think that um, what what do you think the next phase of coaching? And all the support network around brokers involves. In other words, I know you, you go to, the, I know with your particular program, you you know you wanted to, you, what you went to, you went to see if was available was here in Australia. And it wasn't, you know, and you went went over to America and filled in some holes. But so, what, what's your roadmap for? I know you put a lot of energy into your content, right? It's not, it's not, it's a, it's a love affair. But what's what's the next phase? of um of education so, yeah the way that i um see coaching going and uh, you know i've even started internally the way i talk about coaching it's going to go around training and implementation right so because it's the implementation in the business that gets the results right so mm -hmm. to um and if you look at the different partners and we've mentioned some tech partners that are coming on board to make it easier for you guys to implement, right? So I, I see coaching going more to training and implementation. And I see my business going more to, all right, it's going, if we need a coach and let's say it is a coach on tech and process, right? We've got someone that can help with that. If we've got, if we need someone to help with our sales process, we've got someone that can do I for love that. it. You know, you've just, you've just bought Steve yeah. the hell out of it. You know, yeah. you get your attack coach, defense coach. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love it. That's where you're exactly. going. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's, you know, whereas if you look at someone like the Wallabies, they just started. Let's, let's with, not go there, mate. Yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry. But, I know. <laughs> but I think, you know, one of the guys that I love back in the day when we were good was Rod McQueen, right? Yeah. And I think he bought that into rugby where, you had the first guy to bring that sort of multiple coaches in as well as a leadership team, right? Yeah. So within the within the business. So I think that's where uh, I see sort of coaching uh, going. 
in terms of to really and more partnerships, right? More partnerships yeah. with tech companies and um, people that will set you up to win, right? Yeah, so yeah. That's that's how I see it. Love it, mate. Love you just re- you just you just reminded me. Maybe we can wrap up on this thing. I'm not sure it's your show. I'm just I feel like I'm taking over your show. Sorry. Um, <laughs> um, I was at a Gordon rugby lunch uh, down at Kira Billy. They do an annual one. Me and my mates have been going to for a while. We end up a little bit too normally a little bit too drunk. I actually didn't even drink with this one. I think I was doing. A, I actually had a breathing thing on that night, so I was my worlds were collided because I was like, oh, I'm normally wasted at this Gordon rugby lunch, but I've actually got to host a breathing thing later in the night. Anyway, I did the non-drinking thing. Host a breathing thing with a friend and it was great but they had Darren Coleman on right for anyone who watches a bit of rugby the Waratahs didn't win a game a couple of years ago and this year they made the finals and upset the you know they beat the Crusaders mm-hmm. uh, and I was listening to Darren Coleman wasn't there but he's um I think his um his assistant was or someone his replacement that's right Darren Coleman was the, the um the, the Highlanders a while before it and so we're basically saying what did Darren Coleman do with the Waratahs to turn them around okay mm-hmm. And I love this story. This gave me goosebumps, right? So first thing, he, one of the things he did, he um, he brought the, and he didn't have much time. He was, he was just thrown into the chair. He didn't have time to go and, you know, find the perfect roster and spend his budget. He had to work with the talent that he had there. So first thing, one of the things he did, he bought a, he bought a couch of Gumtree for like 40 bucks, okay? Just a crappy old couch. And he put it in the team room. And what he did every week was he made every player sit on the couch and he'd get the other guys to say something good that that player did that they thought. In other words, not trying to beat him up. It's like, hey, sit on the couch. Everyone else, tell me something good that Ross does. What does Ross do well? Love That's it. it. Uh, and then he also got um, Rob Horn, who, for those who don't know, he was an ex-Waratah who was playing over in France. He got a horrific injury and he now can't feel his left arm. In fact, he's got chronic pain in his left arm all the time. All, all, all the time his arm is telling his brain mate this is 10 out of 10 pain i'm exaggerating a bit but no probably not actually to be honest anyway he got them and a bunch you know feel warm maybe i'm not sure if that's right but a bunch of ex-waratars and they walked from like the kangaroo valley to the mountains or something like that and they stayed up all night doing it i'm not getting the details right but it was an overnight walk and the the guys the young guys are there walking going holy cow if these old guys can do this then you know I think I'm great and I'm all strong, but really these old guys are doing it, but they're doing it for each other. And the third thing he implemented was tar tough, you know, the idea of being tar tough. So in other words, what he's done, just to, I'm trying to kind of wrap this up with your coaching part. Mm-hmm. He's taken an existing team without changing really very much of it, just changing the attitude mm-hmm. and the things where they focus their importance on. And he, you know, I mean, if you told the Waratahs in the, when they never they didn't win a game, they were going to beat the Crusaders in nine months later, no one would have believed you. Mm-hmm. But that's, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. So I will be yeah. on board for your attack coach and defense coach, uh, exactly. defense coach model. Exactly, right? Because I realized that, hey, brokers only have limited bandwidths, right? So they yeah. need help in, implementate, in implementing. So that's the sort of the future. But yeah, um, love it. in terms of us, a podcast guest, the final question in terms of if you're looking to advise someone who's sort of looking to, to grow and to scale their business, what's the one piece of advice that you would give them? I'm pausing because that's a really big question. I'd ask them if they needed to. Yeah, Great I'm being question. quiet there. I'm being quiet there to let that yeah. kind of sink in. Yeah. Do do you do you need to grow? 
do you need to have five staff? Do you? <laughs> I was talking to a couple of top brokers last week at a Ubank lunch, and we were having a crack. There's two girls, and they're hilarious. I love them. And uh, you know, there's that Buller Offshore Finance. We're talking outsourcing and stuff, and two of them were like. I just want to sell full million, sell full million a month and live a good life, you know. And these are these are top, top, top brokers. So, you know, uh, it's a bit tongue in cheek, of course, but you know, do you need to be as big as you think you need to be? And yeah, and that's a great question, and um, a great question. And yeah, you know, sometimes people get into that point though, where they find themselves comfortably uncomfortable, right? you ask them more pointed questions following that. So have you been able to take a holiday with your family and mm. to be able to switch off for any long point in time? Oh, no, Ross, like, I'm the only guy. I've got to do that, mm. right? So they get to that point where they're comfortably comfortable. Um, and, yeah, so it is a good point. But, again, it comes back to that point. Do you want to create a business? Or you're happy having a job, right? And if your answer is I'm happy to have a job and I'm happy to earn the money and I'm happy to do that, and yes, I, I need to take some calls and do some stuff while I'm on holidays with the kids, and that's not what I want, that's mm. okay. But I think some uh, some sort of deeper questions after that question um, can sort of sometimes uncover some uh, some more deeper pains that will go along with that. Yeah. Love it, Ross. It's been fun, man. Enjoyed this. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't sure it was going to go. I'm not like, like now. I'm looking at. I wrote it like I had a half. I had a half page with some crap written down. I'm not even sure if we got there, but yeah, it's really good. Nah, really good. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks, Ross. I'll see you Thursday at the coaching. Cheers, no buddy. worries. Well, this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker. Uh, really enjoyed the conversation. If you want to subscribe, we're on all the platforms. So subscribe to the podcast. If you want to join our Facebook group, we have a private Facebook group uh, called the Billion Dollar Broker. So request to join that. Uh, alternatively, if you want to get in contact, uh, send us a message on billiondollarbroker.com.au and I'd love to have a chat to see how we can help you take your business to the next level. Can I make a suggestion because then Ross might not like this, but if you're, you know, if you're in the Sydney area and you're flirting with that, just take Ross out for lunch or something like that to set what you know it can uh, of course i'm just taking up all this time here but that worked really well for me you know it's like anything start off with a lunch yeah, and a all, coffee. all it'll well. cost you is a, is a lunch at the butcher's block eh? that's right uh, love it thanks ross thank you